0: All right. What up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Juliet Rose, who is an author, and we're going to get to hear all about her works. And guys, she was at an award ceremony before this. So she is a well-decorated author. Juliet, how are you doing?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun that'd be great
1: for fun. So obviously writing is a big one for fun, but, um, you know, I'm a nature lover. So any chance I get, I try to get out and away and go hiking or even just sit by like the river or something like that. But I, I totally love to get away from the computer screen and just like commune with nature.
0: Yeah, there we go. I love that. I am also a big nature guy and don't get out nearly enough, but I'm a big, uh, kind of like I, I wouldn't say I like hiking. Like, I don't like walking around a lot, but I would like to, like, lay <laughs> yeah. in nature. <the> <laughs> so that's where I stand with that. But um, so tell us about being an author. How long have you been an author? How long have you been writing? Tell us about that. What the day looks like?
1: Yeah, you know, so I, I've been writing since probably as long as I could write, you know, and before that, I was just a storyteller. Like, when I was a kid, I would, like, tell stories on the way home from the bus stop, just something I enjoyed to do. Sometimes I was just like lying, and sometimes I was actually like telling a story, but they were always just stories. And, and so when I was like 10, I went to my mom and I was like, I think I want to be a writer. And she was like, okay. And so back in the day, you went to the classifieds and she found a typewriter for me and we went out to the house and bought this old metal, like ticky tacky typewriter, you know, and, and I would write things down. And even through like my teen years, I always had like a manuscript in my like backpack and you know, that it was just what I always wanted to do. Um, and then in my 20s, I was a young mom. And so I had a couple children. And in my 20s, my second daughter actually was diagnosed with uh, a brain tumor. And so for that time, obviously my focus was taking care of my daughter. Um, but I did write a piece in that time, which was kind of like the experience of being a parent taking care of a child that was sick. And um, that piece got read in, in Washington on, on the basically lawn during a, a candlelighters. Um, conference. And so that, that piece actually since then has been handed around thousands of times um, and it was called The Strength of an Egg. And so my daughter did pass shortly after that. And my focus at that time was really writing nonfiction and trying to reach out to people going through, you know, similar things, parents dealing with a child that was ill or people that were grieving. And so my focus at that time really was, I think, more you know direct kind of two people type of writing and then a few years after that, I, I actually picked up fiction. And again, I guess because you know, as a child, I was definitely a fiction writer. And so I picked up fiction and I started dabbling in that and found that I could really use my voice in fiction, um, maybe more powerfully than I could in nonfiction because I was able to reach a broader base. And then shortly after that, I went through a divorce and I again put writing aside just simply because I didn't have time. I was working full time, taking care of my children. And you know, for 15 years, I didn't write. And then a couple of years ago, I had a big age. and I was like, I got to do something. You know, I got to stop putting this dream on hold because it's good to take care of everybody else, but I need to really do what makes me happy. And so about two years ago, I started writing again. And now I have four published books and another one coming out this year. Um, I was publishing an anthology with another press last year. So, I mean, I've kind of been steamrolling now, making up for all those that lost time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was... A lot in a short amount of time. Thank you for um, sharing that. Um, I love that you used your gift to like reach out to people who were hurting, like you were hurting after your daughter had passed. Like, I commend you for that. I would probably shut down and be very sad. So
1: I did a lot of that too. I think for like the first year after my daughter passed away, I just was in like heavy grieving. I didn't really. I mean, I don't really remember eating, you know, it's one of those things, but I had little children and I had to still take care of them. And so I still got up every day. The sun still rose. They still needed to be fed and get off to school. So, you know, I did focus on that, but I, I really didn't focus on myself at all. I think probably for a couple of years after she passed. And then at that point I was like, Hey, I have a voice. And my experience might help somebody else going through that. Because even to this day, every time I drive past a hospital, my first thought is someone's up there with their kid right now and going through that and like feeling completely alone. And so like, even though it's been years since my daughter passed, I still have that draw to really try to reach out to those people.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the switch from um, nonfiction to fiction happened because you wanted to reach a broader audience. Did it also happen because... You kind of wanted a change in writing style, a change in storytelling. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it also created a buffer for me. Like, you know, instead of being so raw and pouring pouring what I had gone through my experiences out into paper, which is hard because you're really having to dig back into those experiences and those memories by writing fiction. Hold on one moment.
0: All good. All good. Don't worry about it.
1: sorry, Um, by writing fiction, I was able to take some of those experiences, but buffer it through like a character, you know, so then all of a sudden, I wasn't feeling all of that, you know, I was able to make the character go through that. So I felt like I could still take those experiences and reach more people, but without making myself just raw every time. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Well, tell us a bit more about your motivation in life what gets you up and keeps you going both as an author and just as a human, like in both aspects
1: empathy. I think that, you know, even when I was a really small child, I remember like sitting on the curb and, and the other kids were around and, and there was like these ants and they were kind of walking around and the kids started stomping them. And immediately I was like trying to protect them. I was like, don't do that. And I was crying and I was trying to get them to stop. And so from a very young age, I think I've always been really driven to like use my existence here to try to make things better. And so when I get up in the morning, that's what I'm thinking. And when I write my stories, That's what I'm thinking is how can I use this to maybe lessen somebody else's load? Um, And so, you know, whenever if I'm doing stuff outside of writing, I mean, I'm somewhat of an activist, you know, I try to get involved in things. I hate that term because it also comes with a lot of connotations of feeling like you're superior. But if I can put my body or my voice somewhere to try to help, I do try to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that is all what we're put here to do. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm glad that you've touched into it because utilizing that empathy and then having it kind of um, guide you through your writing, through your work, through activism, like all of that, I think is um, it's where we get the most fulfillment when we have purpose-filled action. So um, you should uh, reach out to some people who are lacking purpose. There are a lot of people in their 20s who are. <laughs> I kind of tell them about that. But I, yeah. I commend you for it. So, But, you
1: know, I think everybody in their 20s to a degree, I mean, even when I was in my early 20s, I look back and think, oh, I could just shake myself sometimes. Like the things <laughs> that I thought were important or worried about. And I have children my youngest now are in their 20s, and it's I see the same thing. I mean, and they're really compassionate, caring people, but, you know, it's, it's hard when you're 20 years old and you get out of bed and you're thinking more like, what do I want? And I think that as you age and you have experiences, you start to think of like, why am I here?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. Well, let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals now. What is your vision for the rest of your life, career as an author and just life going forward?
1: You know, it's interesting because I said like a couple years ago, I kind of woke up and I was like, ah, I need to get, you know, this train going again. And I think that's that's ultimately it is. I had put everything on hold for so long that really my goal for the rest of my life is to continue writing. And sometimes I have these like really firm goals, like I'm gonna write 20 books by this time, <laughs> or you know, by the time I die, I wanna have written hundred books, you know. And those are my I, I kind of joke, like those are my like firm goals, but really my goal is to continue continue writing. It's, it's truly my passion. You know, I do art as well. I do other things, but like at the end of the day, if someone said you have an hour to do whatever you want, I'm probably going to sit down and write. Like that's what I like to do. And so I think that's my goal is I just have this laid out, you know, as long as I'm here, I'm going to continue writing and putting books out there um, and trying to use my voice for the greater good. I'd also like to travel, you know, it kind of goes with my love of nature. There's a lot of things that I would like to see um and and I don't mean like going to Paris or grandpas I want to go and like see places I can walk around and touch things like I want to go hiking places and I want to go see waterfalls and I want to basically experience even just the United States in a way that you know we don't see so much there's so many little back roads I mean I take my son to work now and we drive out of the town and we go out about 15 miles and there's this little road I have to drive down to get him to work and it's just a single lane tiny winding road. And it is like the most beautiful place I've been in so long. Like I drive, I stop and take pictures sometimes because I'm just like, wow, this exists everywhere. These little roads, these little stories. And that's, that's really what I want is to eventually just start driving and finding those little roads.
0: There we go. There we go. So do you see yourself living an RV lifestyle at some point?
1: Yes, and no, I definitely want to have an RV where I can travel, but I still want a home to go home to because, like, I love to cook and I like to spread out and, like, really do things. So, like, an RV is still really, really small. So, for traveling, yes, but, like, for a full time living, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes a lot <laughs> of sense. Makes a lot. Of sense. I, I'm right there with you. I could travel in an RV, but I'm also like, I can really only drive like one to two hours at a time, which makes it very ineffective for a right. kind of lifestyle. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe not for me, but I love it. So we got to <laughs> continue writing for the rest of your life, travel a lot more, and just kind of experience all the things that we typically miss in life. Are there any other dreams or goals you want to chat about?
1: You know, I don't think so, because I think as of age, that's the other side of it. You learned like simplicity is like so beautiful, like we're taught growing up to gain and get all of this and get the house and get the cars and just to get stuff. And like, as I've gotten older, I've thought, you know, that was kind of a (laughs) sham. Like Now I just have debt. Like, I don't want that. Like, what I really want at the end of the day is like to not owe anybody anything, whether it's my time or my money or anything. I just kind of want to get up in the morning and do whatever it is I want to do.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, Have you ever seen Phineas and Ferb?
1: I, my kids used to watch it. So, I mean, I've seen it in passing. I've never sat down to watch it, though.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, they always wake up at the beginning of every episode. They wake up and they're like, Ferb, what do you want to do today? And then they just go do it. And I'm like, man, it is the right? most
1: perfect thing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go sit by the river. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It'd <laughs> be amazing. Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. If there were one or two people you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person that would really help you take the next step towards your dreams and goals. Who would it be and how would they do it?
1: You know, there's a lot of writers I think that I would love to talk to just simply to say, you know, what, what was the kind of thing that pushed you? over the edge or like to, to do that next thing. And, you know, there's, there's writers that I, I know faced like a lot of challenges. Like one of my favorite writers, Octavia Butler, she was a black science fiction writer in the sixties. So like at that time, and she's female. So there was so many things against her and she wrote these amazing books are actually some of my favorite books. And I always want to just like ask her like, what was like that to get up in the morning and what were you facing and and what was your drive to say, no matter what people said or how they treated you, how did you, you know, just decide this was what you were going to do. And I think like in some ways she gets more notoriety now than she did when she was alive. She passed away, I think in the eighties, you know, so it's like one of those where I feel like, you know, sometimes we want this immediate gratification in our lives and to be reminded that like, we're doing things, not just for this moment, we're doing it for generations And I would love to talk to writers that have really had that experience where maybe in their lifetime, they weren't seeing the kudos and all that type of thing. They were really kind of doing it because it was their passion. I'd love to talk to other writers that were in that situation. And I think just their existence would be how they did it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So just talk to writers who write because they're passionate about it.
1: Yeah, knowing that maybe, you know, there's that saying that, you know, men that plant trees, that they'll never sit in its shade type of thing. I think that's what it is, is like when we're doing things that are creative or inspirational, we have to remind ourselves that maybe we're not necessarily doing it for now. We might be doing it for 20 years from now and somebody picks it up and all of a sudden at that time, it means something to them. And so you have to remind yourself when you're being creative, that you're not being creative to get kudos. You're being creative to put something out there that could change things. Mm.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, what are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you accomplish your goals?
1: I think if everyday people would just open their minds a little bit, because I think the reason that I write when I do is to some degree, a level of frustration that people are always fighting with each other and very closed minded and set in their ways. And so like, I would love to, if I ever watch out of the house and I see it sometimes and you just see somebody doing something really like awesome and kind, like that inspires me. Like that keeps me going to do the things I'm doing. Cause what I think to myself is somewhere in their life, something taught them to be a better person or to be a kind person to reach out. And who knows that could have been a teacher. It could have been a book. It could have been a song. And so like, just to remind myself that I'm putting something out there that maybe will help turn that tide. And somebody might say, Oh, you know what? I, I get what she's saying. Let me just be kinder today. Let me pay it forward. Let me help somebody and change the way I'm thinking.
0: Uh, you know, this question, it's, it, always, uh, it always gets me when people are like, yeah, you know, don't really do anything for me. Just be a better person. Like, just be as kind as possible, pay it forward as much as possible, like improve yourself, work on yourself as much as possible. Because when you do that, the world gets a little better, which means my life gets a little better. Like that is so much more often the answer than, (laughs) um, you know, buy my book or send me referrals. You know, sometimes we get to buy my book, send me referrals, but, and that's good and valid too. But it's, it's just amazed me how much people are like, yeah, you know, just be the best you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, because it it keeps us all going. I mean, I think we're all beaten down by the negativity that we see. So those like little moments of kindness and you see it sometimes we'll share like a video on social media and it'll be somebody doing something really awesome for somebody else. And like, how much of a boost is that for your day? Because you think, wow, there's still good in the world. I can go be good. (laughs) Like, it, it does go forward. And so like, I think that matters more than anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. It's the simple things. Exactly. Simple things. Uh, so now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And the first question is, what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one.
1: Pick one. I saw that and I had to think of one. <laughs> um, You know, it's a tough one because it shifts for me depending on where I'm at, but currently my favorite book is a book called The Monster Calls, and it's um, written by Patrick Ness. but he actually wrote it with the idea of a woman, um, Siobhan Dowd, I believe is her name, and she was passing away from cancer, and she came up with this idea for this book, but didn't live to basically see it to fruition. And so he took this idea and he wrote this book, and it's so powerful. It's the story of this little boy whose mother is dying of cancer. And so, like, he's going through getting bullied at school and he's going through losing his mother and, you know, kind of his hopes and dreams. And he kind of puts out there that he needs help and he starts to get him visited by this tree that comes to visit him every night. And the tree is telling him these stories and trying to teach him basically that he needs to come to the truth. And basically, I won't give away the book because if anybody wants to read it, but it's one of these stories that like it makes you absolutely crumble but it also makes you strong. And I think that's why I love it so much because I think anything we go through often will break us down and shatter us, but there's aspects of it that also make us who we are as a person. So I think right now that is my favorite book. I think I recommend that more than any other book. So I'll have to go with that one.
0: One more time, what's it called?
1: It's called A Monster Calls. And it's by Patrick Ness.
0: There we go. There we go. Is it like a 700 pager or a 300 pager?
1: No, no, it's actually really awesome because how they did it is they had an illustrator that worked in like illustrations, I mean like on every page. So if there's pages of the writing, there's like illustrations in the corner and stuff. And so probably text-wise, it's not that much. I read it in a day um, because it's the story is so powerful that he doesn't need to get wordy or buried in all this description like the story is telling itself and then these illustrations help it along.
0: There we go. There we go. I love it. I'm going to have to pick it up and read it. That is the first time I've ever heard about it. So
1: it's a good one, but read it in private because you will cry. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I think I bawled when I heard it the first time.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. There we go. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself?
1: It's interesting that, you know, you asked that, cause I, again, I think writing is my way. And that's why when I didn't write for 15 years and then I finally did, I recognized I wasn't taking care of myself, that I was basically pushing this, you know, soul driven part of myself down all the time. And then by sitting down and letting that come out, I was actually nurturing myself by writing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I think I experienced a similar, a similar thing with the, uh, with this podcast. So I, um, hated basically everything I was doing in life for a long time in my life. (laughs) And I was like, okay, how can I, how can I start doing things that I like to do? And I was like, what do I like to do? And I really only like to help people achieve their dreams and goals, mainly because I know how much it sucks not to. So it's literally my dream to help people (laughs) not feel that pain because I'm like, that really sucks. I'm passionate about getting you away from that.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) It's the podcast. So I'm right there with you with uh, taking care of yourself through the thing that you love to do, the thing that feeds your soul, um, which is typically aligned with how we um, best serve others. I agree. I agree. There we go. And what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet as many authors that write just because they're passionate about it and they're creating to put it out there as opposed to getting the accolades?
1: You know, I think with writing and there's there's so many communities, you really do need to seek out those communities, whether they're local within your area or, you know, if I find a lot online, obviously I live in somewhat remote town in the mountains of North Georgia. So, you know, we have a pretty small writing community, but for me, being able to talk to other authors is a huge thing. And so like, I've found them on Twitter and I've found them on Instagram. And we do, like we commune and we talk about what our dreams are and our frustrations are. And it really helps keep me motivated because when you see other people say the exact same thing you're feeling, you go, okay, it's not just me. This is just part of this process. And once you accept it's part of the process, it's a lot easier to bear.
0: Hmm. There we go. There we go. So seek out a writing community and realize that you are not alone in feeling what you're feeling. Exactly. Love it. Love it. Well, we got a couple more questions for you. Usually it it is a last question, but now it is a series of questions. um, And it requires a lot of pretext, actually. Kind of each question has some pretext. So I need you to bear with me. Okay. So a lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change, the catalyst that helps them make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree with that or do you disagree with that? Do you have anything to add or subtract? Tell us your thoughts.
1: I agree with both. I think it can come from, I've had it happen in my life with both. So I've had it happen with absolutely terrible times, you know, and that really helped me tap into who I was and what I wanted to do. Um, And then I've had it for the same thing, like something really inspired me. So obviously with my daughter's death, you know, going through that, you know, absolutely broke me. And, you know, I rebuilt, like it's that sense of like, you kind of think about if you break a vase and then you have to glue it back together. Well, that's what it was like. You know, I was broken and I had to figure out how to put myself back together. And I I didn't, I can't say I necessarily came back together better. I came back together different, but that different really pushed me forward to say, you know, not only did I go through something really traumatic with my daughter, but she also went through something really traumatic and she wasn't given the chance to have a voice after like I was. And so I didn't take that for granted. Like I said, I'm still here. So like, I've been through this I have a voice so now I have to have a voice for both of us and so that really inspired me after she passed away to start reaching out and start writing and talking to people and I've, I was always a really shy child and a shy person like I would go to parties and I would sit in the corner <laughs> like I just couldn't talk to people and I learned through that to have a voice to basically start talking to people and bringing up those hard subjects um, and then inspiration I mean I, I think I hit, you know, a certain age, my kids were grown and all of a sudden, like, I was really inspired by life, you know, where I had been inspired by death. Now I was inspired by life. Like I'm here, I'm living. I have however many more decades I'm here on earth. What can I put into this? And the same thing, it was very similar feeling, but for different reasons, you know, that you're here for a reason and you're wasting it. If you don't do something about it.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, awesome. Why do you think some people met with the same amount of extreme inspiration or extreme desperation, the choice to change, and then other people don't? Why do you think that is?
1: You know, it's actually something I've thought about a lot because I wondered after my daughter died why, like, I was so inspired to take my pain and reach out to people. And I started a youth center at that time, and I did, you know, different things to try to help out. And then I met people that were just better. they were embittered by their child passing away. And I understood it. I mean, what they went through was absolutely terrible and horrible. So part of it, I think, is who we are. You know, I think we come into this earth with a certain amount of who we are. Like we have. that. I was a very empathetic child. So like I already came in differently than other people. You know, in, in my own family, we went through abuse as children and like I could see my own siblings, Deal with that abuse differently moving forward. Some became very untrusting and bitter about the world and, you know, kind of carried that forward where I was the opposite. I was like, I don't want anybody to feel that way. You know, so like mine came from, I don't want someone to go through what I went through. And I think that's who we are. You know, and I think that, you know, if you look at nurture versus nature, then our environment can change things too. Like, where are we at? Are we around people that are on? Un- that don't understand us, that are not compassionate, and so we get even more bitter because they don't know what we've been through. Um, Or we around people that say, hey, you know, I'm here, and I did have people like that after my daughter died, random people. There was a lady that ran this kind of senior center in our town, and she was just one of those really caring people, and she just reached out to me. I remember, like, you know, after my daughter died, just one day, somebody showed up with a box of food, and it was from her, and she said, I just want you to know you're not alone. And like, I think that matters, like these little things we do can shift how somebody deals with what they're going through. And it doesn't have to be, you can't take away their pain, but you can remind them that they are important and that they're not alone and that there's someone there caring about them. Hmm.
0: I love that. I think that is, um, again, the simple things, the small things, the really kind things can make a shift. So I, I completely agree. Um, Our next question is, well, the pretext is that some people need a small amount of desperation or inspiration to change, and then others need a larger, more consistent amount. What do you think establishes that breaking point, that threshold, and can it be influenced?
1: I, I definitely think it can be influenced. And I think, again, if you look at, you know, we're not made up of one solid kind of experience. Everything from the moment we're born for our little tiny experiences that define us as people whether or not we realize it so like you know if you're raised at a very young age and your your mom is there to climb in her lap you know versus if you're raised at a very young age and your mother isn't and it doesn't mean she's not as loving but maybe she has to work maybe she's away from home all of these little things help develop our character our trust within the world and our strength You know, sometimes it does make us stronger to not have those things because we learn to have to depend on ourselves. We learn to put up walls. And so our threshold might be higher than somebody who maybe always had that comfort, knew that they always had a safe place to fall. They might break easier simply because they've never had to deal with anything any harder. So I think a lot of it is just defined by our environment, Um, again, who we are. You know, do you look at things and your first reaction is, I can do this, or your first reaction is, how, how dare this happen to me, or why is this happening to me, can make the difference in how you react when something falls apart.
0: Mm, I love that. I am a big fan of taking care to watch your thought patterns, and I think you just alluded to that a lot. The questions you ask yourself uh, influence the answers that you get, and it's just something to think about.
1: Absolutely.
0: Awesome, we got one last question for you now. So in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are to make the behavior change obvious, to make it attractive, to make it easy, and to make it satisfying. With that context in mind, how can we create an environment that makes it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying for people to make the choice that will change their life for the better?
1: You know, that's again gonna come from an internal place of what people decide, you know, they want. If if you are really driven by materialistic things or, you know, everything has to be flashing lights, it's gonna be a lot harder to be satisfied. I think us learning to find a much it goes back to simplicity, a much simpler thing that makes us satisfied. So if something is attractive, it doesn't have to be attractive like a boat, it could be attractive like a moment of cup of tea in in the woods, you know, like you just have to find these simple things. And I think that we've been raised and conditioned in this country, especially like everything has to be big. Like, you know, the American dream is you have to go to college, you have to get this job, you have to drive a new car, you have to have this house, you have to like everything, you have to go on this vacation, destination weddings. I mean, everything is big and we're never really conditioned to just enjoy those little tiny things. You know, those moments and like those can be really exciting and satisfying. Like, if you wake up and you think, Oh, I have my favorite tea and I don't have to go to work quite yet, I'm going to take that tea and I'm going to go sit outside and just enjoy a cup of tea. Then you're happy with where your life is. But if that cup of tea and that hour before work isn't enough, you're never going to be satisfied. You're always going to be striving for something you can't reach and you're always going to be unhappy.
0: It's facts. It's facts. I think um, it's really hard to reverse that conditioning for those. So for those of the people listening who just heard that and are struggling with the being grateful, being present in that moment with the tea before work, what would you say to them to kind of start reversing
1: that conditioning? It's interesting because I actually quit drinking uh, a couple years ago and. The reason, One of the reasons I did, and the thing I thought about was like, when I was a child, it didn't take this to make me happy. I didn't have to have a glass of wine in my hand or a drink in my hand to be social or to enjoy my day. And so I think that's what we have to start thinking about is if they can put themselves back to when they were a child. And what are those things that made you really happy? And it's really simple. Like when I was a kid, I loved look like, at tadpoles I mean, like, like things like that. Like the simplest things are just walk out and it was a nice summer day and it was warm and I would just sit in the sun. <laughs> like it was really easy. And I think we've, in order to uncondition yourself you have to go back to where you were before all that conditioning started. So when you were a child, what were the things that really made you happy? And they're usually very simple things that make children happy. You know, the things that make them laugh, the things that bubbles, you know, cotton bubbles, like it's things that we have to find the magic within every day and stop trying to look for the magic in something that may not even be attainable.
0: Facts. I love that. Well, I think that is a great place to end the show. Do you have anything else you want to chat about before we sign off?
1: Nope. I just, if anybody does want to, you know, look up me, I I have my own website. I am always willing to chat. I always say that I have my email on my website, which is authorjulietrose.com. I have my email there and I'm always open for a conversation.
0: Awesome. Well, Juliet, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: I thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you do want to talk to Juliet, the link will be in the show notes. So you can go to our website there, You can hit her up, schedule time, whatever it may be, and as we always ask, shoot this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Give us a five-star review and a shout-out on iTunes, and on that note, we're out